0: I've got a question that I'd like to propose today and that is what should stewardship look like in our lives today and for many of us the idea of stewardship is all about money it's about building programs and I asked um, Benj to do me a slide and I said we're talking about stewardship but don't put any money on the slide so it's not an optician slide it's great I don't know what it is but it's great so (laughs) So, stewardship is more about, it's not just about money. And I just would like you all to turn to Matthew chapter 5. And I'd like to read to you from the Living Translation the parable of the three servants. So, starting at are you there, because Dave's, Dave's my page turn a timer. So so Matthew 25, starting at verse 14, it says, And again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted, entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it into portions of their abilities, and then he left on his trip the servant who received five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more the servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more but the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money after a long time the master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they'd used the money The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest. And I have earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replies, you wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops and I didn't didn't plant and gather crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I would have gotten some interest on it. He then ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. And the key verse there is, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. And I believe that it isn't just about money. And I don't want to talk about money today. In fact, I've been told not to talk about money today. But it's more than money because God has given us a gift And and God has given us a gift and a measure within all of us and he wants us to bring that measure to its fullness in everything that we do. If we consider everyone at the moment on the earth today, whether you're an elder, an executive, a student, a shop worker, a housewife, uh, 24 hours a day, 168 hours a week or 525,600 minutes a year. But, yes, it's a lot. Some people take that time to build relationships, dream dreams, make plans, cultivate their walk with God, develop new skills, live live a life of adventure. And some people watch the latest box set on TV. We can get caught up in endless routines, a trap of routines. We We can't remember how we've got involved in so many activities So many things that just draw on our time, and time just goes away. But what differentiates people isn't the amount of time available to them. It's the way we exercise our gifts and talents within that available time. We can waste time, we can spend time, and we can invest time wisely. And that is what stewardship for me is all about. It's fully developing and using our gifts and talents and resources within the amount of time that God has allotted for us. Oh, I'm too busy. I've heard that said so many times. People say to me, oh, I don't know how you find the time to do these things. One of the things that I've had to do over the last few weeks is seriously look at my time. Um, I prayed... (laughs) quite foolishly (laughs) I prayed um, the other week Um, the business I'm in is was has been really struggling for two weeks two years which it was two weeks and in September I prayed and I said Lord I was I was driving back from somewhere and I'd got things to do at church and it was becoming a real distraction to my life and I was driving along and I said Lord this shouldn't be I'm a man of God I pay my tithes my, hand is, my life is in your hands and I'm, str- and I'm struggling and I'm the man of God there. Well, since September, we've had so much work come in that we can't physically finish it. Wow. And it's just amazing. But that now brings another problem because it's now taking my time in another way. And I've had to really look at how I spend my time. And I've had to look at how I spend my time What am I investing my time in and what am I building with my time that I have? Because God has a plan for my life and God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for everybody's life. And that's been a real challenge for me to look at where I'm investing. You see, in every stewardship relationship, there are two parties. There's the master who hands out the resources and he'll one day ask for an accounting. And then there's the steward who is entrusted with all these resources and must eventually answer for how they have been invested? God is the master, He distributes the gifts at his discretion, and we are the student as uh, students we are the stewards who are accountable to him for all that we have and what we do with it. we didn 't give ourselves the personalities, talents, or longings we were born with. I believe that we fulfil these because these are gifts beyond ourselves and it's like something that God wants us to do and the creator, he knows everything about us, he knows us thoroughly better than we know ourselves and what is inside of us, God wants to develop and he wants to bring out and bring it to its fullness and that's for us individually but corporately that all meshes together and makes a glorious church. You know, some of us don't think of it like that. We just think, well, you know, I'm here on the earth, and that's my lot, and that's what my life is. But we all have a potential, and we all have a destiny. God has called us all to something, and we all have a plan, individually and corporately in this body, that we need to fulfil. I heard a lovely expression, a lovely um, quote the other day from michelangelo and somebody said to him how do you it was a somebody saw a big block of stone and said how do you how do you create the things you create from the stone and he said i see the marble i see the angel in the marble and i carve it until i set it free and for some of us you may just think you're just a lump of rock but you're not because god sees something inside you and he wants to He wants to carve it and he wants to set it free. He wants you to come to your full potential. And as humbling as it sounds, and a bit of a shock, we don't bring anything to the table with God because it's all God. Because he is the source. And this principle carries some very heavy implications because if God owns it all, he holds the rights that come with ownership. And since we we only have what we are allowed to have by God, then we primarily operate in the realms of responsibility. And we need to hear that clearly, that God has rights, we have responsibilities. And God has entrusted us with certain gifts and resources and abilities, and these things all rightfully belong to him. But it's our responsibility to live by trust and to manage these things well, according to his design and his desire. And since God owns everything and expects us to manage things according to his plan and his purpose, every decision in our life is a spiritual decision. (laughs) So that's whether we buy a car, whether we go to the movies, how we spend our time, how we spend our money, our relationships, our walk with him, all matters to God. And God demands to be in the loop. In every decision that we make, every investment opportunity we make, every purchase we make, every friendship we make. Now some people say this is not a cry for super spiritualism, but it's a cry to learn to walk ever closer with him and to declare that Jesus is Lord in our lives. The psalmist begins Psalm 24 with this, he says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all the people belong to him. Now, I was brought up with the King James Bible, so all the scriptures I remember are in the King James. And the King James says it much better, because it says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all that dwell therein. And it's great, because the earth, everything that is the earth is the Lord's. See, in the beginning of Genesis, God created everything, and he put Adam in the garden, and he asked him to take care of it. And it was clear that man was created to work and that work was the stewardship of the creation that all God had given them. And we can see that in Genesis 2.15. The Lord took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work and to take care of it. And then it goes on in uh, Genesis 1.27. It says, or one twenty eight it says, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. And work is Work is good. Work is not a curse. You know, it's not that work, is, work was there before the fall. So work is, is good. It's good that we work. But we have responsibility as believers to rule and to govern and to multiply and to be fruitful. Now, um, Andy's not here. I had to ask Andy about this. But scientists tell us that matter can neither be created nor destroyed. And we only change it to its different forms. So everything exists in the universe today that was there when God created the universe. Nothing's been added, nothing's been taken away. Man has just purely altered its state or its form. So trees have become timber, oils become plastics, metal and diesel, and ore, metal, ore has become various metals. So God gave man the whole table, the whole building block, if you like, We've brought nothing to the table. And that's what we mean when we say the earth is the Lord's. Because everything came from the original source. And it belongs to God. And that's a fundamental principle of of Bible stewardship. God owns everything. We are just simply managers of what God has given us. And because of that... Stewardship expresses our obedience regarding the administration of everything that God has put under our control. Everything that God has given us, whether it's time or money or relationships or family or friends, it's all things that we need to steward because God has br- brought it into our lives. There's a great scripture in Deuteronomy 8, which I'd love you to turn to. And it's in Deuteronomy 8, verse 17 one of my favorite verses it says this he did all this so you would never say to yourself i have achieved this wealth by my own strength and energy remember the lord your god he is the one who gives you the power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed with your ancestors with an oath God has given us the power to be successful by being a good steward because when we're faithful in the little things, he makes us ruler over much. See, we complain often about how rights, you know, you talk about people, oh, I have my rights, my right this, my right that. But the Bible constantly asks, what are your responsibilities? And we are called as God's stewards to manage that which belongs to God, which incidentally is everything. (laughs) If we go back to the parable of the talents, just to try and formalise this a little bit. A talent is not Britain's Got Talent. It's a, very, it's a very unfortunate word. And I looked in the Bible and there's not many other renditions of it. But a talent was money. So it isn't, it's, a, it's, it's, not, it's an act of generosity. But it's more than that. It's an act of trust. Because the master gave each of the servants an opportunity of a lifetime. He gave them the chance to prove themselves, to test their skills and possibilities and rise to a position of greater influence. But upon his return, the master discovered that two of the servants invested the money and one of them had buried it. So he took the greatest gift he would ever be given and he buried it, forgetting or choosing not to believe that the master would return. The master does not give each servant the same amount of talents, as we can see that in our lives. But we mustn't compare the gifts that we've got. We don't have to look too closely around to see that that's just the way things are. Some people have gifts that are publicly celebrated, others have gifts that are quiet and unseen. Not everybody's gifted in the same way, and we need to be okay with that. Phil is great at giving the notices, I am not. (laughs) and I'm okay with that (laughs) but you know it'd be foolish for the one talented man to pout because he'd only been given one talent because a talent was equivalent to 15 years salary and that makes the whole story come to life for me you see when you picture the talent, when you read that, what do you see? Do you see a, a coin or a bag of money? Other versions talk about bags of coins, bags of gold coins. Some versions even mention dollars and pounds. But a talent is a is a formed in a huge ingot, and it's a heavy weight with a handle on the top. Remember those handles? Years ago, my mother used to send me to the greengrocers to get ten pound of potatoes. And the green greengrocer had, had a weight that was 10 pounds and it had a big handle on it. And that's what a, an ingot, that's what a talent looks like. And it weighs 75 pounds. And its weight is 6,000 denarii, which represents 6,000 days of work, which was 16 and a half years. So we call it 15 years. And when you read that, it gives the story a new understanding because it was a lot of money, it wasn't a loan. It was freely given. And five talents would provide enough for a servant to live for 75 years. Now, I would love somebody to give me 75 years' salary. I'd be quite happy with that. I'd be quite happy with two talents, actually, which would be uh, 30 years' salary. And these servants accepted the gift, they put it to good use, and they doubled what they'd been given. But when they came to the third servant, who had only received one... He didn't seem to appreciate the gift or rather the tremendous responsibility that God, that the servant had given him. And he thought, well, how can I hide a whole talent? So he buried it in the ground. And Jesus makes it clear that the size of the gift is not what is important. What matters is what each servant does with it. The first servant was given double than the second servant, but they were both commended with the same words. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. He will only be concerned with what we've done with our gifts, not how much we had. And the question I'm asking today is the potential that we've got in our lives, are we burying it in the ground? Are we hiding it away? Are we denying the potential that God has given each of us in him you see when the servant buried it in the ground he offered excuses but the master refused to accept them and he rebuked the lazy servant and yet the other servants he rejoiced with them and was thankful because the master is generous beyond beliefs it's not that God wants to give us 70 years salary although I would be quite open to that But this is to emphasise the great gift that God has afforded to each of us. And this is the most sobering point of the parable. The third servant was not judged on the bad things that he did. He was judged on the fact that he did nothing. He didn't lie or cheat or steal. He just sat on his hands. You know, it's better to do something imperfectly and fail than do nothing flawlessly. And this wasn't an investment by God. So the, the master didn't come back and say, well, I've given you five, you've got ten, so I'll have my five back and I'll have a percentage of the five, so you've got four. It wasn't like that. It was given as a free gift. There was no collection at the end. And when we look at this in, the, in a bigger context, it, it shows me that God has given us a gift. God has given each of us a gift And he wants us to use that gift. He wants us to develop the gift that's within us, the thing that he's put inside our hearts. And we should be faithful stewards of everything that God has given us. So what are the things that God has given us? Well, I am going to mention money. We need to be stewards of our money. Now, I have to tell you something. I don't tithe, and I don't pay a tithe, I'm a tither, and there's a difference. You see, I don't give God 10% and then the 90% is for me to do whatever I want with. You see, it all belongs to God, every penny. But I give 10% because it shows that there's stewardship involved. It's a declaration to Him that He is the Lord. That's all I'm going to say about money. He calls us to be stewards of our families. Can we turn to Joshua chapter 1? See, stewardship touches every single area of our lives. Because God has given us many things, many things in our lives to be stewards of. In Joshua chapter 1 verse 6, it says, Be strong and courageous. For you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it, and then I will make you prosperous. And then you will have success. Well, I read this at Momentum. But, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers. And as as men in the church with families, we need to see, as it says in Ephesians 4, Let me just read Ephesians 4 first. Ephesians 4, don't turn to it, but Ephesians 4, 12, 13 says, and and Paul's talking about the gifts of, um, the ministry gifts to the church, and he says, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Mm -hmm. And that's what stewardship is about. It's becoming mature, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ and as as heads of our families we need to make sure that our wives and our children are coming becoming mature to the whole measure of Christ in their lives so God wants to see that in our lives he wants us to see that we need to steward our families as well if we look in 1 Timothy 3 when it talks about um, the The qualifications of an elder and a deacon it says he must manage his own family well having children who respect and obey him for if a man cannot manage his own household how can he take care of the children of the church of God and there's a principle there of leadership that the man in the in the family needs to be a leader and as man and wife in a family we need to show the love of God the power of God the mercy of God all the attributes of God in our family and I've said this before that we all of us have our own church so if you ever, have you been to the church of the vases it's a very good church got great leaders fantastic congregation but <laughs> it's a great church but we we set an image of Christ in our in our family and then that's a point of stewardship to our children And that comes with some very interesting challenges because in Ephesians 5, (laughs) it talks about the wife being submitted to the husband. And a lot of wives sometimes struggle with that. But then a bit further on, it says, for the husband, this means the husband has to love his wife as Christ loves the church and gave himself for her. You know, the husband is the head of the wife, but the family... The husband and wife within the household need to be seen as the head. And for my own own family, I believe that we present an image of Christ and the life of Christ to our family, to our children. And when my children have a problem, I need to look at myself first and say, where do I fit into that? Because my relationship with God is vital. And I believe that myself and Mandy, we're the image of Christ, his church, to our body, to our children in our our little congregation and that's where it starts because there's a principle there we need to steward ourselves we need to manage ourselves we need to look at the food we eat we need to look at our habits we need to look at our time we spend sleeping you know these are all, you know this sounds a bit gloomy, a bit discipliny but you know, God has given us a great gift and we need to value that gift. So if we're doing things to our body which aren't good, then we are denying the gift that God's put within us. We need to steward ourselves. We need to look at, you know, it's, it's interesting because one of the things that I found, I was talking to him about this this morning, often I would come home from work really tired I would sit down, Monday would make my tea, I'd sit and have my tea, and then about 8 o'clock I'd be like wide awake again. And then I would sit up, either reading or watching TV, till 11 o'clock, 11.30. Then I'd go to bed, and in the morning I'd be tired again. And by the end of the week, I'd feel really shattered. So I made this conscious decision to go to bed every night between half past 9 and 10 o'clock. And within two weeks I felt great. So last night I felt really great, and I thought, and I was watching TV, and um, I knew I was speaking today, so I was very careful what I watched. But it came to quarter to ten, and I thought, mm, I was watching a boxer. I have to be honest. And I thought, shall I watch another one? And I thought, no, I need to go to bed because I need to discipline myself. I need to take control of my body because I'm, steward, I'm a steward over what I'm doing, and that's so important. We need to look at the time we're spending on things you know are we spending time with kingdom building activities the things that we need to look at that are they a wise investment of our time oh I'm busy how do you find the time I've heard that so many times well stop watching tv that's a really that really frees up a lot of time let me tell you but you know our time is an investment in inter- in eternal things what we invest our time in. I think to myself, is this an eternal thing I'm investing my time in, or is it not? We need to be stewards of our walk with the Lord. I've said this so many times, but our time, our effort, our enthusiasm for prayer, reading the word, fellowshipping together, you know, we need to we need to sometimes plan to make sure that we're available to do things for God. So we need to look, you know. We need to look at our diaries and think there's a prayer meeting on Wednesday. So our house starts at quarter seven, quarter to eight? o'clock. <laughs> I'll be there at half past seven. <laughs> but there's a prayer meeting at our house on Wednesday. And are we looking at our diaries? Are we looking at our schedules? Are we planning to be there? Or do we just simply say, I can't be there? Do we simply say, I can't be there because I've got this, that, the other. And that might sound a bit heavy for some of you. But I want to invest my life in eternal things. And so I'm planning all the time to make sure that I'm free to do that. And there are some things that I'm having to put aside and say, well, that's not an eternal thing. In Philippians 3, it says, No, dear brothers, I have not achieved it, but I focus on one thing, forgetting the past, looking forwards to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize which God through Christ Jesus is calling us and so basically we need to be stewards in all circumstances everything we do we should be stewarding it and thinking is this the best I could get out of this is this the best I could achieve with this is this something I should lay down Joseph provides the best story of stewardship in all circumstances and the story of Joseph is found in from Genesis 39 to 41 And his life reflects stewardship for me. He is his father's favourite son, but his brothers are jealous of him. And his father gives him a beautiful coat, but his brothers tear it off and throw him into slavery. And he finds a job with a wealthy man who puts him in charge of his household, but his boss's wife tries to seduce him. Joseph resists, This makes her angry enough to falsely accuse him of being thrown into jail. In jail, Joseph meets a royal official, interprets a dream, and is promised parole. But the official forgets him, and Joseph languishes in prison two more years. And this story's got more twists and turns than an Indiana Jones movie. I mean, it's just fantastic. And we all want to rush to the end of the story where Joseph is large and in charge and he's reconciled to his brothers, enjoying luxury and living happily ever after. But there's, more, there's something more important in the story than that because stewardship happens all the time with Joseph. Regardless of the circumstances, whether he's on an upswing or a downswing, he's always utilising everything around him for, his, for the greater good. And there's, a, there's lots of, in, within the story, there's this, these little terms come up all the time. Favour, in charge, responsible for, gave him success. And from Potiphar's house to the prison ward to Pharaoh's Egypt, Joseph built others' fortunes by managing their resources. And he managed the situations well, regardless of his own comfort and situation. Just to remind you, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, for they... He was in his boss's house. He was running the whole affairs of the house. He was knocked down. He went into prison. He was effectively in charge of the prison. He interpreted a dream. He said to this guy, come and tell me about... make sure you tell the king. He didn't tell the king. He sat there for another two years. I mean, most of us, you know, I'd have just given up. You know, I'd have sat in the corner and sobbed. But he just carried on and then... all all of a sudden, this royal official said, oh, there's this guy in prison who interpreted your dream. So then the next thing, he's like prime minister of Egypt. He's running the greatest nation on the earth at the time. That's just amazing. Should make a film of that. (laughs) (laughs) Or a musical. (laughs) That'd be a good idea. (laughs) So biblical stewardship should touch every area of our lives. So the real issue of stewardship is whether we are administrating our affairs and possessions as if they were ours or whether they were God's. And our lives are shaped by the decisions we make and there is no greater choice offered to us than surrender to the one who created us and who knows us better than we know ourselves. And the ultimate question then is, am I Lord of my life or is Christ the Lord of my life? You know, it's the difference between the great I will and the great thy will. And so, in closing, yes, there are many decisions that we face all the time in the course of every day. And our question is when we make those decisions, when we look at our time, when we look at our abilities, when we look at our money, when we look at our families, when we look at the stewardship of ourselves and our our time with God, do we put that all before the Lord? do we say to him, you are the Lord, what do you want me to do with that time? You know, as wise stewards, we should understand the true value of everything. And we should understand the things that we should be declared as important, which are God's, and the things that we should just have a looser grip on, that we should just let go, because they're not really of eternal value. Let's just pray together. Father, I thank you that you are Lord of all, that everything on the earth is the Lord's, that Lord, we are we are raised as your children and you have called us to reign and to rule and to govern on the earth. But we won't forget, Lord, and we don't dismiss the fact that everything that we have is of you. And Lord, I just pray that, Lord, over the coming weeks, that, Lord, you would challenge us, that we would as it were step back and take stock and look at the things that we are investing in and to understand Lord whether they are for your kingdom whether they are eternal or whether we should just let them go because Lord we want to be more like you we want to be the angel that is set free from the stone and Lord we want to come into everything that you have for us to be as it were in the full measure of Christ in our lives. Lord, we ask this in your precious name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.